Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. It is such a privilege to share the Word of God at any time. It, is a, it really is an honor. Does anyone else love the Word of God? Does anyone believe it changes your life? I don't know, but there are certain things that the Word of God has spoken to me that I know no person could have spoken to me. There are certain things the Word of God has addressed in my life that no one knew about. And it's alive. And every time we open it, it has the power to impact our lives. And so it's always a privilege of mine to be able to share around the Word of God tonight. The title of my message is Be the Blesser. Can you say that? Be the Blesser. Anyone want to be blessed? Just me. Anyone else? Anyone? Yep, I'll have some of that. Anyone want to be blessed? So the thing that I've learned is that there are certain pathways to blessing. And tonight I want to share with you one that absolutely changed everything around my life. And that is that one of the greatest pathways to blessing is to be a blesser first. And so you don't sound convinced. So I'm going to spend the next few minutes convincing you that this is actually a message that I've walked, okay? I made it a decision very early in my preaching journey that I would never speak anything I hadn't personally lived through. And so this is something that changed everything for me. Growing up as a teenager, um, many of you know my family broke down. And so we, my mum raised myself and my two younger sisters. And we came across some really difficult financial times. I remember there were days where I could not Mum couldn't afford the 70 cent school, uh, bus fare to get to school, and so we would have to walk. There were many days at school where there was nothing in our lunch boxes, and I would be trying to be inconspicuous while everyone else was having lunch and I had nothing. And so I grew up in a reality that there was often not a lot to go around. And so I didn't realize until I became a Christian how much that actually impacted my whole life. I realized when I became a Christian that I had a poverty mentality. I realized when I became a Christian, I had a lack mentality. And I want to tell you that a poverty mentality doesn't only affect your finances. A poverty mentality affects everything in your life. If you have a lack mentality and someone who may be completely dysfunctional gets up and walks out of your life, you're afraid to let them go because you have a lack mentality. If someone speaks out against you in a bad way, you freak out because not only is there not enough to go around, suddenly I'm not enough either. If you have a poverty mentality and something changes in your life, you freak out because you just want to control and know that everything is in, in order and you just, you find it really hard to let go. You find it really hard to trust. A poverty mentality will affect your ability to trust. A poverty and a lack mentality affects everything in your life. And so God had to deal with me about this if I was going to step into the fullness that he had for me. Because you know what my Bible says? My Bible says that I'm meant to be blessed. My Bible says that I'm meant to live in more than enough. My Bible says that I can trust my God to supply all my needs according to his riches in, in Christ, Christ's glory. My Bible says a whole bunch of things that a poverty and a lack mentality doesn't align with. And so God actually had to start addressing these things in my life. 
And I realized that my life would either expand or contract in direct proportion with my investment. My life and your life will either get bigger or smaller depending on what you put into it. And if you have a lack mentality, you will not be able to invest the way God needs you invest to step into the fullness He has for you. And so God started to address this in my life. And so as a very, very young Christian, about 19, 18, 19 years of age, I was so hungry for the things of God. I was so hungry to understand the things I didn't know, the things that my life had not taught me. And so I started pouring over scripture. I started going to life group. I was in church as often as I could. I started asking questions and I started going to conferences. And there was one conference I was at. And for the first time, I heard this man preach by the name of Jensen Franklin. And to give credit where credit is due, this message he spoke opened up for me what I want to share with you tonight. And so I want to tell you, this is almost a 20-year journey. This is something that was opened in the spirit realm of my life when I was about 18 years old. And tonight I want to share with you that journey that I've walked. Another, um, another preacher who has impacted me in a great way in this realm is T.D. Jakes. And he asks this question, are you big enough to be blessed? I want to ask you, are you big enough for God to bless you? Did you know you actually have to have an enormous capacity to be able to receive what God wants to give you? Many of us are actually not big enough for God to bless us. We want Him to, but we haven't created the room for Him to bless us. And so tonight, I want to ask you, are you big enough for God to bless you? And I can stand before you now, 20 years later, and tell you that He is always faithful that He's always good, that He will bless you beyond your wildest imagination, that He has good things in store for you, that He will not let you lack, that He provides, that He does exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything you think, dream or imagine. That is who He is. And I am living proof that God can turn everything around and blow your mind. Are you big enough for God to do that? I want to read this, this evening out of Genesis 18, a powerful passage. And this is the passage that just opened this whole world up to me. Genesis 18, let's read it together. Now the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of the terebinth, terebinth trees of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, three men stood at a little distance from him and he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I now have found favor in your sight, don't pass by your servant, I beg of you. Let a little water be brought to you that you may wash your feet and recline and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring you a morsel, a mouthful of bread to refresh and sustain your hearts before you go on any further. For that is why you have come to your servant. And they replied, well, do as you have said. So Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah, his wife, and said, quickly, get ready three measures of a fine meal, knead it and bake cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and brought a tender and good calf and gave it to the young man, the butcher, and Abraham hastened to prepare it. 
And he took curds and milk and the calf, which he had made ready, and set it before the men. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And the Lord said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's here in the tent. Can I just pause? Do you notice that they were three men until after he gave? And suddenly the Lord said, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, she's here in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you when this season comes around, which means a year later, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. And Sarah was listening and heard it at the tent door, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in years. It had ceased to be with Sarah as it was with young women. She was young women. She was past the age of childbearing. But a year later, she did have a son. They called him Isaac. The thing is this, to move forward in life requires us to reshuffle. To move forward in life means we're going to have to change some things. You know, growing up, my dad used to say to me, Carolina, what is the definition of a lunatic? And I would say to him, because he'd asked me so many times, the definition of a lunatic is someone who does the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And he would say to me, that's right, so why you keep doing this stupid thing? But that's the definition of a crazy person. Someone who does the same thing over and over and over expecting a different result. And so in life, if we want something to change, we have to change. If we want to step into the fullness of God, we've got to let go of the stuff that's stopping us from getting there. We can't keep doing the same thing grandma and mom did if it's holding us back. And if it's holding back the future generations, it may just have to stop with you. You may have to be the one who reorganizes a few things, grows up a little bit, and does the tough thing so God can bless you and the future generations. And so I'm not speaking to your logic tonight, because your logic, your current mindset is what got you here. And it may have served you well, it may not have. I'm not speaking to your mindset. I'm speaking to your spirit. I'm speaking to something of the spirit realm in you that God wants to conceive and bring to pass. So tonight I want to supersede all those mindsets that you've been thinking and living from. And I want to speak to the realm of the spirit. And I want to say God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to move into the future. But you have to be blessed willing to change some things. So to put this into context, Abraham, our friend Abraham, he's known as the father of the faith. Some of us may be familiar with Father Abraham, who had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them. And so are you. And we're all just going to praise the Lord. Right arm. Amen. No, we won't sing it. Maybe later. So Abraham is known as the father of the faith. Actually, you and I sitting here in 2019, we are called the sons and daughters of Abraham. But you have to understand when God first gave Abram, before he changed his name to Abraham, when God first gave Abram the promise of descendants, he was 75 years old and had never had any children. 75 years old and God says, 
Abram, can you count the number of stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the earth? And Abram says, no, I can't. And he says, well, that's how many descendants you're going to have. They're going to outnumber the stars. They're going to outnumber the sand. In fact, kings and queens are going to come out of your lineage. And what we know is that actually Jesus came out of the lineage of Abraham. And that's why we are called sons and daughters of Abraham who follow Jesus. The amazing thing is that he was 75 when God first promised him. But this story here, he's 99. Some of us get frustrated when the McDonald's um, teller asks us to wait in the waiting bay. This guy had to wait 25 years for the promise to come to pass. We live in this instant drive-through generation and God's like, hmm, I kind of need to work on some things. How faithful are you going to be over the long term? Are you big enough to be blessed? Or are you going to throw the towel in when I ask you to pull into the waiting bay? And so he hears this promise. And this story we just read was the third time he'd heard the promise. He's now 99 and Sarah's 89. And God says, next year you're going to have a son. And they do. They have this son. And so that gives us context now. Abram's 100 and Sarah's 90. And they receive their son. The first thing about being a blesser is that you have to have a big picture. You have to have a big picture. If you read through the story of Abram who became Abraham, every time him and God connect, every time they have a conversation, Abram immediately changes the topic of conversation to future generations. Every time they talk, Abram and God talk about the next generation. I want to tell you, if all you can see is your immediate right now, your picture is not big enough. And if that's all you're talking to God about, then He's going to change the subject or He's going to move on and be really bored and move on to someone who cares about what's coming, who cares about someone else, who cares about the next generation. If all you can see and all you talk to God about is this bill this week, conversation's over. God's moving on. God is moving on. We need to think big. We need to think generationally. We need to think beyond ourselves. We need to understand that the blessing God has for us is too big for us to contain in this lifetime. The blessing God wants to pour out on you counts for the next generation. The blessing God has for you counts for someone else. If you're over the age of 25 here tonight, or maybe a parent, I want to tell you, you've got to set the next generation up. You absolutely must. I absolutely believe that our children should get educated and go to college. I absolutely believe that they should outdo us. I absolutely believe that we should set them up to step on our shoulders. If you're under 25, and maybe you don't have children, but you spend your whole night playing games or you spend all your weekly income on ASOS, your vision is too small. You are now in the prime time to set up your future and the future of those that will come after you. 
get serious about the privilege and the opportunity you have in every single day. I have seen unmarried young adults buy their first home before they even meet their life partner. I have seen unmarried young adults sow more into the house of God than people in their middle middle age. Get serious about the opportunity you have, no matter what age you are, to set yourself up and set others up. But it means you're going to have to grow up. It means you're going to have to do some hard things and make some sacrifices. But that's the plan of God. He doesn't want you to waste this moment. He wants you to see big, big picture, beyond yourself right now, into tomorrow. But you've got to be big enough for God to bless you. You've actually got to be disciplined to create the space for God to bless you. So the first thing about being a blesser is you've got to think big, big picture. Second thing, you have to have a big reflex. Big reflex. We find Abraham Abraham in this story, sitting in the door of his tent at the heat of the day. It's kind of like in the middle of summer when you, you prefer the room with the best air conditioning. Right? You know what it's like. You prefer to sit in that room that gets the best air con. And so here he is, it's the heat of the day, and the equivalent in those days is like the doorway of the tent where there might be a breeze coming through. He's exhausted, he's tired, he's 99 years of age. He's relaxing in the cool part of his house. You see, the thing is, he's lived his whole life for the purposes of God. Abraham has given of himself his whole life, all 99 years of his life. He has given to the call of God. He's given it to others. He's followed God wherever God led. He's trusted him. He's sown. He's, he's been obedient his whole life. And he finds himself here at this moment, having just done something to prove his love for God again. And he's exhausted and he's uncomfortable and God turns up. Anyone relate? Seriously, God, I just sat down. Anyone? Anyone? Has anyone else noticed that the call of God is exhausting? Just us, Sam. Has anyone else gotten to a point where you're like, this has cost me everything. I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. And God turned, thank you, Jesse. Has anyone heard Jesse worship? It is a blessing. It'll bless your life. He is the best, best singer in the house. I'm not talking about the sort of tired where you fall into bed at night at the end of the day, like I did yesterday. I was tired because we'd spent the day climbing mountain trails with the kids. It was a good day, but we were tired, right? Everyone sleeps well. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sort of tired where you wake up tired. The sort of tired where you're like, is it really the morning already? The sort of tired where you do everything tired. And maybe no one knows you're tired, but you're exhausted. I'm talking about that sort of tired, and God shows up again. And he's at your door again. You've just given everything you've got, and he turns up again. 
what do you do? What is your reflex in that moment? Because I want to tell you, that moment is the moment. That is when it all counts. When you don't want to, and he's there. He's not even asking. He's just there. What do you do? What do you do when an opportunity presents itself? It's not a demand. It's not an expectation. You're tired. You've already given, but another opportunity presents itself. Well, I want to tell you that this is the response of a tired, disappointed, hurting old man. He runs to greet them. He begs them to stay. He hurries to Sarah. He quickly makes a choice meal. He runs to the herd. He hastens to prepare the calf. I think you're hearing me. If you want to be blessed, if you want to actually be a blesser, you actually have to have a huge jump and run reflex when it's hugely inconvenient. You have to jump and run at every single opportunity because you may miss it. Every opportunity, and this is when it really, really counts. I call this desperate generosity. And I'm not generous because I'm desperate. I'm desperate to be generous on every occasion. And your response and mine in a moment of discomfort and pain is what makes all the difference. When you've given all you can, when you're spent, when you're tired, when you're hurting and another opportunity presents itself, what do you do? In all your pain and exhaustion, do you jump and run at the opportunity to bless God? I want to tell you today that your promise, your final confirmation is waiting in that moment. It's waiting right there. In that moment that we need to have a reflex that defies our physical and emotional condition. We need to choose to make our actions back our intentions. Number three, you need to have a big give. A big give. Do you know that you have a reputation in heaven? Just study eternal rewards and crowns and you'll learn very quickly that everything you do here builds a reputation for you in heaven. Abraham had an amazing reputation in heaven as being generous. It's actually incredible. Did you know that you're building a reputation for yourself? in heaven. That's a powerful thought. One of these uh, backstories that prove this to us is when God said to Abram, go to a land I will show you. Has anyone else had vague directions from God? Sure, God, where are we going? I'll show you. Right. So he gets going. He packs up all his animals, all his family. He gets going and he takes his nephew Lot And so we don't know why he took Lot. Maybe it was his father's heart that was desperate for a son. We don't know. But he took Lot, his nephew, with him. And as he's going on this journey with God, following God obediently, God starts to bless Abram. And he blesses him with herds and family and wealth. He becomes, they actually say he was the wealthiest man of his day. And in all of that, Lot then starts to get some of the wealth because Abram gives him a portion of everything he has and he sets up his nephew. And so he sets his nephew up and and Lot starts to prosper and they get to this point where they're both prospering so much that there's not enough room for both of the families. So they, you know, the herdsmen 
start bickering with each other. And so Abram, who's the ultimate all-time peacemaker, says to Lot, look, Lot, in order to keep the peace, we should probably go our separate ways. I'll let you have first pick of the land. And so Lot sort of stands there, they're at a vantage point, looking at the land, surveying all the land, and Lot goes, well, that looks really green and lush over there. It's the, you know, the contours are beautiful. The resource looks amazing. It's expansive. I'll have that. He picks the best. And Lot lets him, Abraham lets him have it. Abraham lets him have it. And so Lot goes on his way and Abram's left with like, I imagine like desolate kind of scenario over here. What I love about this is that Abram didn't say anything. He just released Lot. If you have a poverty mentality, that's going to be an issue. This kid who he'd given everything, everything you have, Lot, is mine. Uh, don't you even realize you're nothing without me? Like, who do you think you are? I don't know if you've had people like that in your life. As a leader, I've had a few opportunities to experience this. Where they take everything that you have. I don't really want you, I just want your stuff. And then they take the best and head on their way. The problem is most of us want to kick and scream. Doesn't that punk know? Like, I should point out to him how ungrateful and entitled he is, this entitled generation. But that's not a blesser's mentality. A blesser says, sure, take it. And he turns around, and as soon as he turns around, God says, hey, Abram, see what's left? It's actually more amazing than you can even see. See what's left? I'm going to bless that. See what's left? I'm going to do some remark. You can't even see how far it is. You can't even see the resource that's there. And God starts to speak to him. I wonder if he'd held on whether that conversation would have happened. We have to have a big give. We build a reputation. This is just one of the things that Abram did. The thing is, you can only do that, you can only live like that when you realize your accounts are not with man, they're with God. It's not about that person who ripped you off. It's not about that person who was ungrateful and left your life. Because your accounts are with God, not that person anyway. And when you can live like that, you can live freely. When you can live like that, you allow yourself to remain in the palm of God's hand who can turn even the most desolate place into an oasis. And so we live in this place where we, where we keep giving, we keep being generous. We see later on in Genesis 14, that Abraham is meeting with this man named Melchizedek. Say that 10 times. No, don't. Melchizedek, Melchizedek, they call a king priest. And scholars say that Melchizedek has no beginning and no ending. We don't know where he came from or where he went. They say he's both a king and a priest. Sound like anyone we know? Scholars say that Melchizedek is the first foreshadowing of Jesus. And so we see Abraham meeting with Melchizedek after he's just had a huge victory at war. And he's plundered. And so he comes and he meets with this king priest and they start having church. The amazing thing is this. 
that this account was written 400 years before Moses instituted the church. And we see Abraham give Melchizedek a tenth of all his plunder. We see Abraham giving Melchizedek a tithe 400 years before a tithe was even instituted in the law. When you're a blesser, it will cause you to do and be and live in unconventional ways outside the box of expectation. No one's actually going to have to define or expect anything from you. You're just going to live at the realm of the supernatural generous state that you're meant to be. It's so amazing. And so he's built this reputation of being generous. This is the thing that Jensen Franklin shared, which changed my life. It says in Psalm 50, God is speaking to a group of people who don't get it. And he says this, Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. Do you remember when we read the story? And Abraham said, let me just bring you a mouthful of food. Let me bring you some water. And he says, because that's why you've come. Here's the thing. When God's hungry, does he tell you about it? Or does he pass your place because he knows he's never going to get a feed there? What reputation do you have in heaven? When I realize that, as a 19-year-old girl with a lack and a poverty mentality, I was like, God, please always stop by my place. Always come to my place. I want to be able to say like Abraham, I know you came to me because you know I'm generous. I know you came to me because you know I'll host you. I know you came to me because I built a reputation as a generous, blessing type of person that when you are hungry, God, that you'll come to my place and I'll be able to say, that's why you came. God, I want to have that reputation to host you. It is so amazing, the thought that we can host the presence of God. The Bible says that He searches the whole earth looking for people who are loyal, looking for people who are worshippers, Does he stop at your house? Does he stop at your place? You know, I used to think when I was younger that, you know, when we're in worship and we hear the song leaders say, we're just going to wait on the Lord. I used to think that was like, I'm waiting. Just waiting on the Lord. Waiting. But what the text actually means is we wait like a waiter or a waitress. Waiting on the Lord means hosting the Lord. We don't wait like this. We wait like this. Let me host you, God, no matter how tired I am, no matter what my circumstance looks like. Let me host you, God. And you know what? It might look like three men, but they're angels in disguise. I don't know what this opportunity truly is but I'll be generous at every opportunity, whether it's a person, whether it's a spirit, whatever it is, that I'll build a reputation of being generous. And so we have this opportunity to build a legacy. 
And so God was not moved by Abraham's intention to serve. He wasn't moved by Abraham's tiredness or pain. He was moved after the act of worship was carried out. And then the final confirmation of the promise. I want to tell you that desperate generosity prophesies into your future. It speaks into tomorrow. It goes beyond right now and into tomorrow and into the bigger and better that God promises to give us. Destiny is in that kind of heart. Future is in that place. Your promise is in that place. Tonight, I'd love for you to stand to your feet. I'd love just for you to close your eyes for a moment and just reflect. God, what is it? What is it that you'd have for me to respond tonight? And I feel that there are some people here and somebody's ripped you off. You feel like maybe you gave them the best of what you had and they've walked out. You know, people are self-centered and opportunistic. They're not bad, they're just human. Sometimes, yes, we're left in the aftermath, but it's now up to you what you do with the the state of your own heart. And there might be others who have taken from you and they didn't even realize. They actually just were moving on into their future. They didn't realize they hadn't stopped to say thanks. I want to tell you, you're a counselor with God. Jesus said, what you do for them, you actually do for me. What you do for the least of these, you're doing it for me. Turn your face towards me. Leave them in my care. I'll take care of that. But how are you? And how's the condition of your heart right now? Because unless you can let this go, it's all up to this. If you can let this go, you can move into what I have for you. If you can release then you actually resist that poverty mentality taking a hold in your heart. Because what happens is we may have been generous once and we got hurt and so we start to withhold. I know what that's like. When you go, what's the point? What's the point of doing this over and over and over again? The point is (laughs) you're building a reputation in heaven. The point is it's all about Him. It's all about what He wants to do in the generations that come after you. But do you have that bigness around your life? Are you willing to create that space around your life to think big, to have a big reflex, to jump and run, even when you're tired, even when you're exhausted, to jump and run when the opportunity presents itself? And do you give big? Because when Abraham saw those three men, firstly, he had his big reflex and he ran and he begged them to stay. They agreed to stay. And then he said, look, let me just bring you a mouthful of bread and and a sip of water. But he didn't give them that. He created, he prepared a banquet for them. We have to give big. We have to be generous. We have to go above and beyond. Don't withhold Scripture says in Proverbs that the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, but the world of the generous gets larger and larger. 
It says that there's one who withholds and it leads to poverty. And yet there's one who scatters and it leads to abundance. Withholding will limit what God wants to do in your life and it will actually start to take you backwards. I want to ask you tonight, are you willing to lay it all on the line again? Are you willing to open your heart again? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.